Hey, welcome to Real with Claire Rafferty. In this podcast, I'm going to bring you weekly conversations with inspiring and empowering guests. Our goal is to help you break your boundaries, let go of fear, and motivate you to take that leap in the name of health and happiness. All of my guests were just like you before they invested in themselves in order to create much, much more. Between my guests and I, we want to help you out of your rut. We want to show you you can be more and you can have so much more. Does that sound like something you want to do? If so, stay tuned and let's dive into today's episode. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode. This week, I am joined by my beautiful friend, Carly Malcolmson. So Carly and I go way, way back. We've done many preps together, and she is my absolute partner in crime when it comes to all things health, fitness, and life. So I am so excited to be interviewing Carly today. We're going to be talking about her fitness journey a little bit, and we're going to dive into what makes her such an incredible coach and incredible person and some of the stuff that she's went through over the years. So without saying too much about you, Carly, we know you are a body composition coach. Um, what do you want the listeners to know about you? And yeah, introduce yourself, Carly. Well, first of all, hi, and thank you for the lovely introduction. Um, so yes, I am a female uh, body composition coach. Uh, I work with Team J Physique, so there's five of us uh, operating under the one brand, the one umbrella, um, and I got into that uh, from when I first decided to start competing. Uh, that is when I met my coach Joe, and that's Joe Parrish, and then from there it grew arms and legs, I came on board as a coach and left my full-time job and been working um, in the online space ever since. Um, I do as well do one-to-one um, coaching and but most of those are just clients that I do have online that I see to you know help improve their training in the gym, show them how to train well, how, to, how hard they should be training um, and yeah so I kind of work with a range of people, lifestyle people, uh, people that want to do, you know, girls that want to do photo shoots um, and just overall like, improve their body composition, you know, so take them through different phases of, you know, dieting phases, you know, exit strategies out of there, you know, to then work on, you know, building muscle um, and all that kind of good stuff that we're all really into in that kind of realm. Awesome. All right, Carly. So um, there's a thing I like to do before we get into it, just to kind of loosen things off. Before we get into it, I just want to ask you five quick fire questions um, just to get things going. So as quickly as you can, I want you to answer. They'll start easy and then a couple might make you think. So the first question is, where are you from? Uh, so I live in Stirling now, but I come from all the far away of Falkirk, which is like 20 minutes up the road. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. All right. Um, what's your favourite type of exercise? Ooh. Uh, I love to do a bit of bodybuilding and crossfit. I like the intensity from the crossfit and then I like bodybuilding for, you know, obvious reasons from that being my background. Yes, crossfit, sly. <laughs> All right. Um, what one food could you not live without? What, just one? Just one food that you cannot, <laughs> could not live without? Chocolate, then. Chocolate? Yeah. It's not a food, but yeah. It is a food, but that's it. I love to see what people say. They're like, oh, because so it's... so many things I wanted to say there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just one food you can live without. It's hard, right? Um, okay, what's your secret superpower? Oh, secret superpower. 
and helping ladies get strong. Yes. Um, see, that's that's a good superpower. In health and in mind, body and in mind. Let's see, go with that. Yeah. I um, I like the mind idea. I think we're going to dive into the mind more in a minute. Um, so last one. What one thing makes you happy? My dog. Yes! <laughs> what a babe, though. What a babe. How old is he now? He'll be one next week. <laughs> Almost the same birthday as me. I remember that. Yeah. I remember that. That's exciting. Oh, my God. You've been a mum for a whole year. How much has he, how much has he changed your life? Uh, crazily, like everyone that has a puppy or a dog right now is relating to exactly what I'm saying. But it's crazy how much like a puppy can come in and just change your world. <laughs> it's so good. I do, I do feel like a little mum. <laughs> I don't have any children, everyone. <laughs> you can tell. Yeah, but a, a puppy is a child. Like I've I've got that vibe from people. Um, <laughs> Okay, so there's some stuff obviously you said in your intro that I want to go back to um, and just for purpose of those listening, um, I want you to talk to me a little bit about the mindset shift that you had around leaving Prudential um, and making the leap to becoming a full-time online coach because you've moved from a safe salary pension space um, and to fully investing in yourself and that's such an empowering thing to do and it's a really impressive thing to do um, and a lot of people wouldn't do it because they would get that fear and they would get that you know little voice in their head holding them back um, and for people out there who are in a position where they're maybe not enjoying their work or they feel that their work is maybe holding them back or their work is not allowing them to reach their full potential in life um, I suppose, what would you maybe say to them? So through that transition of you, what's your your advice in that area and how did you feel about it all um, when you made that transition? Well, first of all, what I'll say is it wasn't a easy transition. Like, I didn't just think one day I need to go and I left. I had everything that you just said just makes perfect sense because I was, you know, terrified at the thought of leaving because, you know, I had a house, I had a mortgage, you know, I had... Uh, commitments um, and there's always that you know you don't know if it's going to work either you know the online space is a very difficult market to tap into you know so I initially went down to part-time because I just felt like I had like I did I, looking back now I still don't even know how I managed to fit everything into a day that I did and um, what was a day look like uh, well, a typical day for me would have been getting up 5 15 a.m teaching a class getting a quick shower getting to work for nine o'clock um, working the full day. So nine till five it was. Um, and then I had online clients. I'd be sitting on my lunch break. At times I was sitting on my lunch break, you know, doing programming, doing updates, phoning clients, um, finishing work, getting back, sometimes teaching classes in the evening, also prepping for a bodybuilding competition. So we know how that looks in terms of making sure we get our cardio in, getting our training in. Um, I was still, you know, coming out and finishing off my step count in the evening while making calls, still programming, um, and then getting and settling down into a bedtime routine about 10 o'clock at night, going to sleep for 11. And that was my days, you know, most days, you know, it didn't really change. And it was the same on the weekends, it was full. So, you know, I had to be really strategic with my timing. Um, and it just got to a point where I just felt in my own headset, my own mindset just wasn't in a great place because it was just, I couldn't switch off. I felt like I was on edge because I had like this to do, that to do, and even just like the time to do like my food prep, you know, this, the little things like that, your food shop, you know, there was just 
every minute of my day had to be accounted for. And I just got to that point where it was just like something has to give here. And um, so that was when I did, you know, ask to reduce my hours um, and I could only reduce them down to three days. Um, and But even doing that for a period of time did make a big difference. But again, it was just that way. I just, you know, as you get busy or as things got, you know, rocketing up a little bit more, it's like, how can you then progress yourself and your business if you don't have the time to, to put into that? And then, you know, like programming for clients and talking to clients is a little tiny piece of, you know, the, the puzzle. You've still got other things to do. You've still got the business to run. Think about what you're going to do for the business in the business, um, which I know that I wasn't making enough time for. And then um, not only that, like I, I like to study. I like to, you know, when I'm out walking, I'm always on a podcast. You know, I'm always finding new ways to learn and grow and evolve for myself. So again, like I just felt like I wasn't giving enough time to everything that I needed to. Um, and I know for I, I felt like I owed it to Joe as well because Joe, you know, he could have had you know the pick of you know a big bunch of people to have as a coach um, under his umbrella. So I felt like it wasn't fair to him either. Um, yeah. Making that time and making that enough of that commitment almost. Yeah. So it's it is it's it's an incredible shift and it's such a huge shift that you've made and it takes a serious amount of self-belief and personal power to do that and it is incredible and I think anyone who does make the leap to go from employed um, to self-employed is no matter what they're going to have all these fears and they're going to have all these doubts and how long now have you been self-employed? Self-employed fully and uh, just over two years. Nice yeah. but it's and do you think that two years you've learn more about yourself you're happier you're in more stride with your purpose do you want me to bring my partner in to tell you <laughs> <laughs> the answer to that would be absolutely like yeah I feel so much better like I just even feel like I can relax a little bit and just and not that like I always enjoyed it but now I can enjoy it even more because I've got more time to just okay cool this is my day this is and you still need to be so so disciplined with your day um but it's yeah it just feels so much better like I can actually like relax and spend the time on studying like I'm doing my nutrition uni course at the moment which is amazing and you really need time for that and that's something I wouldn't have been in a position to do before because I would never have had the time to fit that in yeah it is incredible the things that you can achieve when you really just go all in on yourself yeah. um and the things you can find time for that you never would have had a chance to do and still pay your bills and live a better quality life yeah. so that is that is the scary part because you do you don't know when you're self-employed like you when you're going from employed you've always had the salary like I always had the salary I've never had to worry about that I mean I could be not busy at my work one day and you know or like mess about one day and not get loads of stuff done but it didn't matter because I would still get paid yeah you can't do that self-employed like you have to make sure that you make it work and if you don't then you're going back to finding a job somewhere yeah exactly no it's awesome and I suppose in the same kind of realm as that um you obviously mentioned in your intro about um Joe being your prep coach and now obviously you work with him and I suppose a little bit deeper than that is when did you know and when did you officially you know within yourself say um I'm going to be good at this online coaching thing and it's time for me to make that shift because it's a you know you could have been happily working at the 
at Prudential for three days and you could have happily been um, a coach for the foreseeable future. You know, there was no um, determinant there that said, you know, you had to make that switch to fitness and then fitness was going to be your, your life um, and your main driver and your main source of income. Um, so at what point or what do you think it was that made you say, no, I need to be coaching people full time and no, I need to be helping people. And fitness is actually what I'm doing. Like, where did that shift come from? Uh, just due to a lack of passion for what I was doing at Prudential and from a full on passion that I had with uh, working um, with Team J Physique. And obviously, I had a great bank of clients. Um, and Joe was always really, really great. He was really, really supportive. And whatever decision I made, like he never ever, you know, influenced my decision in any way, but he would always have conversations with me. And I, I always just knew having those conversations with him, where my mind was really at and what my thought process was. And, you know, having, um, I just, you know, yeah, I just had decided that I just couldn't keep doing what I was doing. I was running myself and running myself ragged. And we know how much your quality of life starts to suffer when you've not got any, you know, time. Um, and you know, you're, if you're not getting enough sleep, and you know all that kind of s- stuff that people just maybe don't pay enough attention to, but they should. And yeah, just because like I knew what my passion was, and it certainly wasn't just working in a job purely for a pay packet. And how did you know that was your passion? At what point did did fitness become such a huge? That's on what point become a huge part of your life? Yeah, well, it was always a, such a huge part because I always say it was. Before, for people that don't know, before I even like considered doing a prep for a coat for a competition, I was so passionate about fitness. I was teaching classes on top of my full-time job at Prudential. Um, and so like fitness was always the thing I was passionate about. You know, people at work would be like, oh, that's a fitness check. Like that, you know, it was just who I was. Like I was who I was known for because I just loved it. I breathed and loved it. Like I would sit there, I'd be the person with my prep food and my healthier foods. I wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't be the one really delving deep into the Fat Fridays and all the rest of it. It just it's always Fat a bit Fridays. <laughs> That's the office thing, Claire. Okay. Fat Fridays? What? Yeah, I need really... to tap into this one. <laughs> so yeah, I just really wasn't into all of that. And you know, everybody just like it just that's all I spoke about. I studied I did my body tech nutrition academy as well while I was still at Prudential previously, like the one the course with uh, Ben Coomber. And I just love it. Like, I love learning. Like, I'm really, really geeky. Like, I love, like, reading stuff on nutrition and on training. And it's just always been such a big part of my life. And then since I did start going down the bodybuilding route um, and, you know, made significant changes to my own body as well, like, it's just these are the things, like, that drive you when you're so, so bought into the process and you just love it. You've had such an incredible bodybuilding journey as well from from my side I think you have um and to get on that stage BMBF and to win Scottish twice I mean that's an incredible feeling right oh my god yeah it was (laughs) yeah what was that that accumulation of the work and the, the, the stress and the the life and the prep and the what was what did all that accumulate to and can you talk a little bit about what it feels like to do that show and go through that phase and then to win and what does that outcome mean for you the first time versus maybe the second time um, and how that did it change um, if it did change you know what does it mean for you the first time versus the second time and what does it mean now? Okay, so for the listeners that don't know me at all, um, which will be many probably, so I had always followed bodybuilding to some extent from 
the age or oh, like 21 I remember it was actually Carly Thornton was one of the first females I used yeah. to follow like I loved her at that point she wasn't doing any bodybuilding she was just like a normal she would look like a normal kind of girl probably quite similar to myself like she was quite muscular but she was lean and she was strong and she was all over bodybuilding.com and things like that and obviously that's where you first go at what it was at my age anyway yeah but, for sure yeah it was like, on bodybuilding.com forums and you know, looking at these girls, and do you know what it was for me as well? Is I just couldn't believe, and I used to look at like obviously, I gave you like a typical diet, and like, oh my god, how did he eat all that in a day? Because to me, it looked like loads. Because I started like restricting myself from quite a young age, so for me to see these females with these amazing physiques, you know, eating you know all this sweet potato, you know, all these carbohydrates that to me were like deemed, you know, there weren't there weren't something that was enough, weren't enough of things like that in my diet. So it was like to look at those skittles and just, I was just in awe of them. So I, I'd always really, really been into it, really, really followed it, but I just couldn't, you know, I didn't have a clue about the process. I didn't know how it all worked. I didn't know enough about nutrition. Um, and uh, basically I came, like I just explained, I came from quite a restrictive background. And, you know, there's been numerous things that I've done. You know, if, if you were to throw out a diet out there, I've probably done it and tried it at some point. Um, and, but the, total turning point for me was really when I ran a marathon and I knew that I was only doing that to tick a box and you know I wanted to do it by the time I was 30. That's pretty impressive though let's just talk about like (laughs) for people it's like run a marathon or bodybuilding show you know the average person wouldn't even comprehend doing one of those things Um, and like for those listening like to have done the marathon and been like oh that's not really for me I'm going to go do this other crazy really extreme thing that's on the complete other side of the spectrum like that for me like I'm quite like an all or nothing person which can be a really good thing but can be a really bad thing as well and when I just flick the switch in my head I'm one of these people that I do just flick the switch in my head when I say I'm going to do something I've always maybe thought about doing it and then one day I just say I'm doing that and then I do it and that was exactly what happened with the marathon. It was like, I'd quite like to do that one day. And because I'd always run half marathons and half marathons are tough. But it's like, yeah, well, you, you can run a half marathon. You know, you don't even really need to train that <laughs> half marathon. Was what I thought at the time. It was just because I was quite into that. So it was fine for me to do that. So I thought, well, do you know what? I need something else now. I'm goal-driven. I like to have something to work on. And so, yeah, so I trained for the marathon, ran the marathon, and then well, I knew from the back of the marathon I was thinking about maybe getting into the bodybuilding kind of um, going down that line, but I wasn't really sure. And then when I decided to do that, I really knew that I had to also stop, you know, restricting my body because while I was marathon training, I was still really, really restricting my my body, and I wasn't, you know, fueling my training at all. So if you know if I was to speak to a client now who was doing the things I'd be doing, I'd be like, well, no, no, like it's yeah. not. Me. And um, so yeah, there was a lot of lessons learned there. And then at that time, I started doing my body type nutrition academy through Ben Coomber. And I was starting to kind of try to raise my caloric ceiling because I knew it was, you know, far too low. And I just got to a point where mentally it became a massive struggle. And I knew that if I was ever wanting to step on stage the following year, I didn't really know enough about training as well. I was just kind of going in and kind of winging it as you, like a lot of people do. And uh, so I reached out to, to Joe for coaching because um, I wanted to, you know, had to get my calories into a good place. I wanted to increase some muscle, more muscle tissue, um, and I wanted to be training better, have a better structure, and just have someone, you know, here you go. This is what you've got to do, and me just kind of be a bit, a bit more robotic to it, and just get it done. 
Um, so that's how we kind of transitioned into that. That's how Joe became my coach. I'd seen him coming up on social media quite a lot and I had yeah. actually reached out to another coach um, but then I kept on seeing Joe's name come up and I just thought like the results he was posting were you know unbelievable. He was doing yeah. really well and because he was more local um, I thought that would be a better solution so that's how we kind of started up on that. I started my first prep in the January of 2016 and um, we prepped from January through until the first show in June. Um, I did a first show previously to that, it's like a warm-up show with UKBFF and I absolutely hated it. Um, but the BNBF, I just loved it. As soon as I got there that day, how smoothly the show was ran, how brilliant it was operated, like it just, it just, you know, on the day where you think, on the lead up to that show, I just felt amazing. I just, everything was starting to click into place and I didn't want to say it to anybody because that week I was just thinking, I had, I knew in my head, I was like, I'm winning this. Or maybe I'm not, maybe I'll come second. But I thought to myself, I'm definitely doing yeah. well. That good feeling. Um, and it was, I wasn't sure because one of the girls I was competing with who I became friends with, Michelle, like she was, look, she looked incredible as well. So I wasn't really sure, but I thought, you know, one of us are, are going to take this. Yeah. I took first place, she took second. Um, so to uh, for that to be my first year competing and to win, I just... I couldn't believe it, like, and I just couldn't believe, like, the what, how, it's not even just, like, the winning, it's how much you learn in that process, like, the amount that I learned just in that one prep is crazy. What's up? All right, sorry to butt in on this podcast, but I just wanted to tell you about our Nutrition Hub and make sure that you're signed up to all of our updates. Our Nutrition Hub is a place for you to learn about portions, macros, calories, and so much more. It's a go-at-your-own-pace course, broken into weekly bite-sized pointers to help you improve your relationship with food, enjoy your dieting once and for all, and of course, help you overcome the fear and guilt you have around meals so that you can be healthier, happier, confident, and of course, in the know. To find out more about our hub or how you can join when doors open, you need to make sure you're following at nutritionhub underscore on Instagram or jump to raffitness.online for more details. Peace out and enjoy the rest of the episode. And then, you know, I came off the back of that year's competing. I went to the British finals and didn't do as well at the British finals. I really, really struggled, to be honest. I was... If I was ever going to compete, you know, again, I definitely wouldn't do the Scottish show and then hold off for the British just purely because it's such a long time that you've yeah. got to be in that condition. You don't have long to really bring calories back up to then come back down. You know, you're not really reversing adaptations that well in that amount of time. And um, so, yeah, I just really, really did struggle with that. Um, so then I was going to compete the following year and decided that, you know, my body, I, I, did, I underestimated how much recovery it takes. It's crazy, right, isn't it? months months and months and you just don't appreciate that until you go through that physically yourself nah. um so obviously you you completely resonate with that as well yeah um, yeah so then the next year it was more just a case of having a bit more flexibility having a bit more fun again and seeing your friends again because you know bodybuilding as much as you try to kind of still see people and you do kind of stages isolate yourself a little bit, or at least I know that I'm, I'm like that because you do get to a point where you are just super tired and you've got to, you've got so much to, to fit in in a day and yeah. 
it's impossible to not isolate yourself in that and I think that's a huge thing that people miss when you probably know it yourself clients will come to you with these really insane expectations um and I think there's you know as I think we'll move on to talk about in a minute there's all this pressure out there in the industry to look a certain way um and it's the the sacrifices and the things that come at looking that way which I think yeah we'll, we'll touch on in about 90 seconds if you continue your story <laughs> yeah so there was not really else to say I guess like obviously the next year I would say that I I didn't reverse properly like I did get my calories to a place where I felt they were optimal but they weren't really optimal from for for a, for a physiology and for a for a person with who is going through you know who's teaching you know say 10 classes in a week who's still weight training has a high step count my calories were still low but you know I was quite feel quite satisfied so then moving into my next prep um I did insanely well like that prep was much easier I would say because I knew what to expect my mindset was in a great place I came in ten like tenfold I looked ten times better um and the next shows I won the Scottish show again and I, the lineup that year was absolutely insanely insane. there um I didn't know if I was going to win because it was it was like I think it was 14 girls and the they were they all looked incredible to be honest and um again so yeah won that one went to the British um, but that's where I would say things took a big, massive turn for the worst, and then that moves us on nicely, I guess, to where you were going to where you were going to go to if, in terms of kind of health and how that does affect us um, on the longer term. So I'm not sure kind of how much you want me to go into that. And what you want I to think it's very, it's very personal for you. So I think as much as you are comfortable talking about. Um, obviously you are a professional and you are an expert in your field and I do think the things that you've learned the fact that you've you've come through this huge journey and you've come out the other side and the things that you've learned and the reflections within you as a person are incredible to see and it's really positive and it's it's really nice and it makes me really proud to see all these incredible things that you're now doing off the other side of your prep and the journey you've had um and yeah I suppose it's you know it's not been the the nicest few months to say mm. the least um and yeah so what from your from a health perspective where's your position right now from prep and where's your mindset now around people doing preps and people training for these body composition aesthetically driven results I guess for me like at the start I was I always knew that I had this to deal with at some point but I didn't know what to do about it so um and I also was quite scared to talk about it initially because I felt like it made me a little bit vulnerable especially the fact that I'm meant to be someone who's a coach in the industry yet I'm I've effectively got myself in this kind of not in the most optimal kind of health and physiological perspective so um but this stems back to before I even did a bodybuilding competition so like I, I elaborated on earlier you know I have come from you know quite a restrictive background and um, I think I threw myself into fitness to deal with a lot of demons and a lot of kind of issues that I had from um a less nice experience in my lifetime you know growing up wasn't an easy time for me and I think something like having a big obviously I'm quite like I say I'm quite an all-or-nothing person so I threw myself into fitness I saw these positive changes you know I felt great for a period of time until I didn't feel great because it's easily done that you start doing too much start under fueling um, and that obviously we know that that can wreak havoc in our bodies so for me I came off the pill so I was on a contraceptive pill 
when until I was in my early 20s and ever since coming off that I never ever uh, regained my menstrual cycle um, when I went to the doctor about that um, I went in for one of my smear tests one year and I just said oh like I don't know why this is but it's been about 18 months and I still haven't had a period and the doctor basically just said that you know that's not really right but it could just be something to do with coming off the pill and they took my hormone levels I don't know what they were at that time um, but they basically just shooed me away and said you know we're, we're not going to worry about it until you're in a place to start trying for children there's nothing we can do it's probably just because you're fit and that you you exercise there was no health repercussion yeah. back of that there was no education there was no there was nothing it was just like and we hear this all the time right now like Absolutely. all the time it's it's torture how many young women I speak to that have been through similar situations to yourself and to me from very different sides and the answer is generally if you're not having kids it's not their concern yeah and they put me back on birth control to give me a synthetic bleed so I don't know if so for your listeners that maybe don't know so if you still have a period through whatever contraceptive that you're on what people need to know and understand this isn't talked about enough is that that's not a period it's, a, it's called a withdrawal bleed because it's not a real period. It's all synthetic hormones. It's brought on through a synthetic cycle. So if you did have any issues with your menstrual cycle, um, that would mask it because it would still bring on a bleed regardless. Um, so they wanted to put me on, slap me on some birth control, send me on my way. And I said, no, I didn't want to do that. Um, but then I did start to see my partner at the time. So I didn't want to risk you know, having nothing. So I did go on the implant for three years. Um, but again, since I came off that, I've never had um, a hormonal cycle at all. Um, in my year that I took off of competing, um, I got my implant out the year before that. So the year that I did compete the first time in 2016, I came off the implant, yep. I got removed. And again, since then, I've never, ever regained my menstrual cycle. But since then, I started you know, researching that a lot more heavily because I didn't believe it. It was just something that didn't sit well with me. I didn't believe it could be it should be right. And um, I did get referred on to the gynecologist. She didn't understand what was going on. So she referred me to fertility and they checked me for like PCOS and I didn't have that. Um, but then something gave me the urge to check my bloods again myself um, from the back of my last competition because I just knew that things weren't right for some other reasons. And when I called the doctors to get my blood work results, they signed them off as being okay. And I, if for anybody coming from a bodybuilding competition whose calories have been low, they're sitting incredibly, incredibly lean, there's absolutely no way that your hormones are going to be fine. So I was, no, I was like, no. So I phoned back and basically like my luteinizing hormone, my estrogen was so, but they were all so low that my estrogen was so low that it was undetectable in the NHS's ranges, yet they'd signed these off. So you can imagine how pissed off I was about that, yeah. um, to say the least. And since then I pushed, to, you know to get someone to speak to me properly because I didn't really know like you know exactly what to do other than from what I'd been reading so I was reading there's a book called No Period Now What by a woman called Nicola Rinaldi and so I'd been kind of I hadn't read all that book at that point but I'd been following a lot of the kind of what they'd been saying about it what you had to do to recover your menstrual cycle if you don't have it all that kind of stuff I decided to listen to like podcasts on the topic um, and I knew that I was probably going to have to you know go through a really uncomfortable phase of you know really pushing calories up and pulling exercise down to try and you know compensate to try and regain my menstrual cycle back so since then um you know coming from a, a restrictive background to tell for you to be told 
that you now need to eat X amount of calories and you know, let's so say in excess of 2,500 and you need to do no excessive training. Like, so I wasn't allowed to do, so CrossFit was out, my classes were out, you know, even weight training is a grey area. They say that, you know, I shouldn't really be doing that either. But then it's a hard call because like for me, like I know that I control a lot of uh, my mental health with exercise and to then do nothing um, and to eat more, gain a whole load, load of body fat back, feel uncomfortable in myself and not feel, I feel like that make me lose myself further. So I, this is where I'm at just now is I'm kind of struggling to find that line as to what is right for me and for what is going yeah. to be the thing to help me also in regaining my menstrual cycle. Because it's not only from a reproductive point of view that you should have your menstrual cycle. Like I'm getting prepared to get a DEXA scan done as well because there's the risk of, when you've got low estrogen, there's a risk of low bone density and osteoporosis. Um, so there's that. And it just, even just by how my mood was, um, by with, with the, the drop in my hormones, you know, my anxiety was through the roof. I felt yeah. depressed. I felt low. I've got no libido, obviously. There's so many, you know, health barriers. You know, my, my hair and my nails are really, really brittle, and um, I did lose hair when I was younger. But and I still don't know if that's to do with the stress, or they told me it was stress at the time. But now I think it's probably been my estrogen levels. There's so many things that just make sense now, um, yeah. that I now need to try and fix. And that it's a really, really uncomfortable place, and I just think it's something that you know, if if people are jumping on the bandwagon of competing make sure that they sh people should be doing it for the right reasons like and not doing it because it's like the end thing and the cool thing to do on social media like i personally love bodybuilding and i did and i always did but i know that i don't know if i'll ever compete again purely for the fact that i know that some of the reasons for me to continue on with competing maybe weren't quite right or i yeah. was getting my calories into a stable enough place so i was always scared of gaining more body fat back um, and it is a fine line because there's a there's a lot of pressure and there's a lot of influence out there that's bodybuilders who are in shape almost all year round yeah. um, and that that pressure is so unrealistic when you actually look at the true health concerns and the, the true factors around it I spoke quite a lot about mine and going through similar um, yeah. things to yourself obviously mine's is not impacted by my estrogen um, which again has left them in an absolute tiz because because mine isn't impacted by oestrogen um, and it is even though we've both had very different competitive journeys um, and we've both we've both had a lot of overlapping similarities on prep and there's no way that there's just you and I that are out there that are having these issues and that are talking about them um, and I do think it's it's not like a warning of I don't think people should compete but what would be your advice be to someone who is thinking about competing now? And what would be things that you would tell them to consider before they, they started a prep journey? Looking at their behaviours and habits around, their, around food previously. I mean, because you do, the thing is, you do see some people and they say that um, bodybuilding, you know, helps save them, you know, people with eating disorders. But if you've got disordered eating by any means, then that's going to be highlighted and brought back. And it had did so for me personally um, in my competitive journey. Like prep for me is easy because I love the structure, I love the routine, I've got a focus. You know, prep for me, like loads of people struggle in prep, but prep's easy for me. Like it's hard, but it's easy at the same time. The yeah. hard part for me personally is coming out of that because then I start placing pressure on myself that I should still, you know, I shouldn't gain too much weight back. I should still maintain a lean physique. and. 
I know that that's not right, and I would never, like, you know, I, I would never do that now. I've learned a lot of lessons, um, but I think a lot of people do struggle with that transition out of prep, and they start, to, and I, I will admit that I kind of lost myself a little bit along that way as well, albeit some of that was quite hormonally related, um, but transitioning into your, because your body has a body fat set point, and it also, it's going to gravitate towards and you can keep fighting that to try and stay leaner, but the more you do that, the more you still disrupt, you know, health markers. And um, like I'm sitting probably the heaviest that I've been for a couple of years now, but I don't look terrible. Like I know that I'm not comfortable in a lot of my clothes now because you know things get tight and as females, you know, we don't like that. But I know that I'm not by any means heavy, and I would never call myself fat. I would don't even like that word to be honest when it's describing anybody. Um, but your body has a place that it wants to sit at more comfortably and if and a lot of people fight that and I see that with a lot of people um, and it starts to, again it starts to set unrealistic expectations of what's realistic for even just clients coming on board you know when I speak to clients and you know they want to achieve this physique and they want to do that one you know people don't realize you know how much goes into that and two people just don't realize that like not no not many females are going to have the genetics that they can walk around with abs all year round yeah and that's the kind of picture that the fitness industry can often paint to people and i don't know if it's myself because i'm following a lot of different type people but i do start to see a shift in the fitness industry now yeah it's massive are talking about health more people are paying more attention to this now which is really really nice and i hope that that continues and it's not just me thinking that because i'm following different people or whatever um so to you then what is a as a coach what do you think your your message shift is then around health? How do you feel when you when a client comes to you and says, I want to get shredded and I want to do this, this and this, and it's because I, I hate my body, I hate the way I feel, I'm rubbish at sleeping, I can't do all these things, I want to be fit, I want to be strong. You know, the regular outburst that we get um yeah. and if as a listener listening to this they're probably thinking well yeah I wanted to get a coach because I want to be in great shape I want to lose all the weight I want to feel the best I've ever felt in my life but they've also got this image in their head and what's the message of health that you can then pair with that to help them um see that that's maybe not realistic or not attainable so there's a few things that I was bit about again like anything in the fitness industry it does depend on the person because it depends like some people have hours in a day that they can train they've got they can meet their cardio they can do their their training they can prep their foods you know if they can do all these things but someone with a family might not have that abundance of time and they might not be in a position that they can even think about really going to that extent so Again, it's going to be dependent on the person and dependent on what they do. They have what it takes in terms of do they really want it enough, and is their health in a place where you know they can? Because you'll get a lot of people that they are already coming from. Like you obviously you get there's an obesity like epidemic. We know that, but there's also a lot of people out there, and I see this a lot as well. People are coming from places where they have been dieting or attempting to diet for so so long that they have created so many metabolic adaptations. Um, in a negative direction, you know, their calories are already low, their expenditures are already high, that you can't do anything with these people unless, you know, they get them into this place of optimal health. And that's where it's quite tough because to get a client's buy-in, they don't want to hear that, I'm sorry, but we're going to have to pop that on hold for the time being until we work on bringing things to a good place. So I try to, if I've got someone like that, 
I try to help them see, like, okay, let's look at a longer-term timeline and let's focus on these other training goals uh, for the time being. And then it's a case of really slowly reversing them out of that because and trying to mitigate, you know, uh, any kind of regain of body fat, for instance. Um, and then, but then if I've got someone that just, you know, is all they care about is being completely shredded, um, I like to have the like. You need to know like why is that? You know, what is the real reason for that? Because the thing is, if they're coming from a place where they generally hate their body, yeah, they might like it for the short time while they get a lot leaner. But then when they can't sustain that body anymore, that's where they're going to have a lot of problems because they're still going to hate their body. So it is so true when you see people talking about, you know, um, like beauty comes from within and stuff. If you're not in love with yourself before going through this transformation, don't think that just because you're going to get lean and shredded, you're going to walk around with abs for a few times going to do it because it's actually going to cause more harm than good. Like I had this conversation with my best friend the other day, totally different backgrounds. Um, but she had she went through a little phase like a, like a big phase last year of like a lot of depression and anxiety and through that she just basically lived on her nerves didn't really eat a lot because she was just so stressed and anxious all the time and felt like just couldn't eat so she lost a lot of weight and so she was so, so yeah she might have lost a lot of weight so for other people that maybe didn't know her she looked great because uh, she was yeah. gym and she, you know but she was the unhappiest of her life now she's you know, she's still, she looks absolutely fantastic still. She just gained a bit of weight back and she's in a good place now. Whereas, and then obviously last year, you know, I came off the back of competitions, my hormones were through the floor. I felt absolutely terrible. I felt like I wanted to hide out from the world. I, you know, I didn't get excited by anything anymore. You know, Christmas is the most exciting time of year for me and I had no flutter of excitement. I had no buzz about me. I just felt like I just couldn't get out of this really negative place that I was in. Yeah. So, for people that are maybe, you know, in that kind of situation, I don't think that, you know, just thinking that getting training is going to be the answer because unless you can work internally on what's going on, and I, know, I hate to use the whole self-love thing, but it is it is so true. Unless you can get yourself into a place where you actually do have a little bit more of respect for your own body, then it's only going to wreak havoc, I would say, on the longer term. Yeah, I am. Um, so obviously, I'm heavily into how we think about ourselves right now and the thought processes that we can have to shape. I do believe that, you know, as you briefly said, the, you know, we've got an obesity crisis, and there's so many people out there that it's to do with their relationship and their mindset around food, and just around um, how they 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 see themselves and their personal relationships with food and it's not even so much the exercise anymore that is the problem because we do seem to have a place where so many people are overtraining now I know that's not for everyone and I know there's still a huge huge proportion of society and people listening that are like oh I'd really struggle to find 30 minutes in the day to even go for a walk or exercise but there does seem to be this this almost separation right now of people are either overtraining or they, they believe they need to be overtraining to get a result, or they're just not training at all. Um, and it's trying to combat that and, and say, well, this is what balance looks like for health. Um, now, obviously, you spoke just now, you're having to take a little bit back from you can't really do CrossFit, you can't really do anything that's too high intensity, and that's because of the, the, the health damages, should we say. So what do you, what for you right now is balance? And then what do you believe that, that balance should look like 
in an, a normal person who is just trying to lose a little bit of weight, who's trying to juggle the, the prudential lifestyle you used to have. And they're not trying to get on stage. They're just trying to find a healthy, balanced lifestyle. Okay, so right now I wouldn't say that my personal lifestyle is balanced because uh, I'm having to really pull back on a lot of things that I enjoy doing. And like I do enjoy doing like some CrossFit. I love getting a sweat on. I love like I'm really, really fit. Like and I love and love that competitiveness. And I do just if you put me in that environment, like I'll go and I love that. And um, so having to put that down and say no, that I can't do that has been pretty tough. And um, so right now I'm probably only doing like kind of three weight training sessions a week, quite low intensity, not even lifting as heavy as normal. Still heavy to probably a standard individual, but for me personally, I've had to scale that back. Um, and my step count's still pretty high. I still see I'm averaging about 15,000 steps a day. But I was doing, you know, 15,000 steps a day plus, you know, maybe four CrossFits a week plus, you know, four weight training sessions a week, which is which was still too much. Um, obviously, for a standard, you know, it's still too much for anyone, really. Um, so, yeah, my recovery and things like that were massively affected as a result of that. And then, obviously, I wasn't fueling properly. Um, but for a standard person... Um, I would say choose like a sport that you just really, really enjoy, something that you love. Like when I program for my clients, if you've got someone that's coming from a place where they don't do very much, then you're in a great place with them because they've not created a lot of metabolic adaptations. Their body's not became really efficient at certain exercises. So to program for that person becomes quite easy because you can give them a step count, get them to tidy up their diet, get them weight training three, four times a week, whatever that you know the times they look like. And, you know, they're going to make some severe progress um, just from doing that. Like, you remember yourself, the first time you lost weight, how easy was it? Yeah. But then it gets to a point and you'll have clients the same when clients come through or you speak to people, you know, on a daily basis. They're like, it used to be so easy. Now I'm doing all this stuff and I'm eating all this good food and I'm still not losing weight. And that calorie deficit needs to get increased, increased, increased further because their body becomes so efficient at the exercise that they're doing. So... For the standard person, you can't really say this is balanced because it's yeah. so different. Um, but, you know, you don't need to be training, you know, six days a week, you know, three, four days a week to someone's, you know, absolutely adequate. And it's all about finding stuff that you enjoy, what makes you feel good and not doing it from a place where it's not a place of love anymore. It's a place of guilt because it's quick. It can start off, you know, quite balanced from the face of it and it can transpire transpire very very quickly we're to the point where you know people can't take a day off the gym because they feel guilt and they don't understand why rest is so important and they, they have fear that they're going to get overweight from or they're going to gain weight from that one day off and when actual fact that we're doing their bodies a whole world of good because they won't be so stressed out anymore and yeah. um, it's all about you know coaching people and like anybody like in the nicest possible way anybody can get fit and anybody can lose weight if you if they stick to a process and their mind doesn't intervene on that, they'll they'll do it. But it's all about mindset, and that's where coaching needs to be. You know, really, really you know, one to one on a level, or someone they need that support, and people need to be better at coaching for that because it's it's not that straightforward. It's not that yeah. simple. Like for animal clients, and I've come from a background of that myself, where it's trying to do things for health. Is actually a lot harder because you get so caught up in doing all this exercise, not eating as much calories because you want to look good. It can quickly not feel good, um, and you can just put yourself in a in a bad situation. 
what then would you say, last question, what then would you say is the biggest mindset barrier you as a coach seem to be up against? So what's the biggest thing that you find you're constantly talking to people about and you're constantly trying to help them see the positive side or the, the, the better side too? What's that one mindset thing that you just, you wish people would just get? I guess for some people, it's just trying to get people to be relentlessly consistent. Yeah. It's just, see if you can be consistent and look at, start to learn about your, be more educated, learn about nutrition. Like, look at calories, like what people do is they're either on it, off it, on it, off it, but their off it can be like the, the, the what's taking them right out of their calorie deficit if fat loss is the goal, and they can push into this calorie surplus, wonder why they're not making progress because they've not tracked that day's calories. People don't understand, like, even just things like they're having excellent lattes in a day, they're having their binges on alcohol and um, going out for dinner, you know, if that, that, if that leads from a Saturday into a Sunday, that's two days in the week that they can really be pushing. You know, I've seen people have, you know, over 5,000 calories in just one single day. So that's probably where we have a massive struggle is people just can't be consistent. And then I see it happen a lot of the time as well that people, because they start to overeat a lot on the weekends or whatever, they'll start to heavily restrict. And it's this binge restrict cycle, which gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And once you go down that rabbit hole, it's quite hard to find a way out of. So if you can just be consistent and look at calories more strategically, then you'll be setting yourself up for better success in the long term. Awesome. Yay. All right. So I have loved having you on to chat, Carly Malk. And there has been a lot of useful information there. Um, I'm excited to hear what people think for those that listen to it that are maybe struggling with that kind of work and employed yeah you've not rambled um i'm also excited to hear people who have been on that kind of prep cycle or thinking about prep or have had some problems with their period so if anyone listening to this i can relate to anything that carly has said or is you know has any more questions or is struggling with any of the topics that we have went over where can people find you carly to connect um, and is there anything that you want to say that you feel that we've missed that you want to wrap up so that people know where to find you, what you're about um, and what they can get from you? Yeah, so people can follow me if they want to. I'm on Instagram as Carly Milk um, and on Facebook as Carly Milk Fitness. Uh, like I said, we're, I'm on work with Team J Physique as well. So we do have our uh, Team J Physique website. So it's TJP online. Um, so they can read about kind of all of us, the team, what kind of what our mission, vision is, and um, look at all our testimonials and um, what we're about exactly. Um, there's loads of articles and blogs and stuff that we've written to go on the site as well. And then just, I guess, um, take home message for me personally is just, if you just asked me a year ago, it might not have been the same. I don't know what it looked like later, but I just think that having been through so much um and experienced so much from a posit- both a positive and a negative aspect in fitness i think just what i wish people would just do is just do things that make them feel and operate well um, and don't be so fixated on the comparisons that you see on social media because a lot of, a lot of what you see on instagram isn't reality um if you know something's not feeling good it's not right for you then to stop it because um, at the end of the day it's all about feeling and um, being the best person you possibly can be 
and don't think that being, you know, skinny or being shredded or being super lean, you know, 24-7, you know, getting lean is really cool. Body composition goals are really cool. Um, but pushing your body to be where it's not comfortable and isn't happy um, will not end positively.